Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Well, 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 well. Just another slow July 1 news day. Let us count the ways. Bill, Hello, everybody. Bill Cosby has been freed. Alan Weisselberg has been indicted. Many are dead from the heat. There is new Surfside Condominium Association info. The old condo president, it turns out, resigned in 2019 due to infighting in part over the money that was to be spent to fix the structural issues in the building. Uh, Britney Spears, a judge has denied her request, at least for now, to remove her father as a co-conservator. And I'm leaving out many, many things just in the essence of time. I hardly know where to begin, but there's only one logical place for me to begin, and that's with the Cosby case. All right. So I have to ask, did you know, because you broke into yesterday's show, wasn't what we were talking about, made a statement about it, caused a whole kerfuffle. Did you know yesterday what was going to happen? I did not know. I was transparent. I said we came back from a commercial break uh, at about the midway part of the program, which was 1030 Philly time. Officially, it was 1028 a.m. And I know this because I had Dan pull it because you got so snarky with me. (sighs) Were you going to play that audio? Well, I'm just asking, do you want to hear it? How it you know how you broke in yesterday? Sure. All right. Go ahead. So veteran criminal defense attorney William J. Brennan just reminded me I'm giving him a hat tip. Uh, just reminded me that today is the final day of the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court term. And as I uh, tweeted a moment ago, thank you, Billy, for that hat tip. Uh, what happens to the Bill Cosby guilty verdict? And there are two issues. I have said this from Jump Street. The POTUS audience will remember well. I just want you to file this away. Two issues will be interesting. One Use of deposition testimony after the D.A. said he wouldn't prosecute Cosby. And two, the number of women who testified at the second trial. They never, by the way, back in real time now, they never reached the second issue because they said he never should have been prosecuted to begin with. Therefore, they didn't deal with the second of those issues. T.C., very direct answer to your question. Did I know what the outcome of the case was going to be, of course not, nor did 
Brennan, who was simply reminding me, veteran criminal defense attorney William J. Brennan, that it was the final day of the term. Therefore, it was likely that there would be a decision forthcoming. I was just seizing the opportunity, and I think I had done so within the last two weeks on POTUS, of reminding people that Bill Cosby had a bona fide set of appellate issues and that I would not be surprised if his conviction was overturned. You've heard that from me consistently for years here on Sirius XM. Uh, as a matter of fact, his own team, I think, often did him a disservice when trying to make the case about race. The case was not about race. This was not a case of racial injustice. This, this was a case where there were some, there were some fundamental flaws in what went on here. And one of them has been getting ample airing, and I'll, I'll deal with it in, in short order. Um, but it was amazing to me. I was, I was off the grid yesterday. I got the news from another friend, Larry Seisler, who sent me a text and said, uh, did you hear about the Cosby decision? And simply him asking me if I heard about it told me what it was, because why would Larry interrupt me to say his conviction has been upheld, right? So I knew, and Larry was the guy who, who brought me in the loop. And then, you know, when I, when I emerged from my bubble yesterday, because I was off limits doing a taping, what surprised me was the surprise of the so-called legal experts. Michael, I have never seen more people shocked, horrified, um, you know, blindsided. Well, they weren't paying attention. Well, they weren't paying attention to you, for sure. But I also was surprised. I wasn't as surprised by people's sort of emotional reaction on Twitter. People who don't know the law, people who don't pay attention, and are just seeing it as the victims getting right. victimized again. That didn't right. surprise me. Can I say something? Yeah. What, I, what I didn't like, and then I want you to finish your thoughts, so hold it. What I didn't like were people who are saying, oh, his celebrity, his money. Rich people only. A or lot, or technicality. Technicality. I, I said to Chris Cuomo last night, uh, I think I remembered to throw this in. I don't like people who say, unless you think that the Constitution is a technicality, this was not just a technicality that enabled Cosby to, to walk out free. And but I was really shocked by people, legal pundits, lawyers on social media who were finding fault with it because I have been, you know, 10 feet away from you for years and you've been saying from the beginning, you've been saying there is a problem with how this case was brought. Well, I have. okay. let me try and add value for the POTUS audience, because I, I think I have a relatively unique take on this. And let us not forget that Bill Cosby's only pretrial interview was here. On this program. And there's a reason for that. And it's, it's not that he and I are tight. We don't have a relationship. It's that the analysis that I'm about to offer to you again and for the final time on this program um, was not being offered by anybody else. And it obviously ended up on his radar screen. And that's why he sought me out before he went to trial. The part of the story that everybody has and that everybody is talking about is how I think I'll explain it this way. You know, you, you've all seen the TV show. You have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you, right? The Fifth Amendment says that no person shall be compelled to be a witness against himself. And at its bare bones here, I like a word that liberal Paul used yesterday. And Paul's a prosecutor before he was a civil attorney, trial lawyer. Cosby was enticed good word, enticed to surrender his Fifth Amendment right. 
he was promised that he wasn't going to be prosecuted. Therefore, he didn't have a Fifth Amendment right when in a civil suit brought by his chief accuser, Andrea Konstat, he couldn't plead the fifth. He had to answer questions when he was being sued for money damages. In his civil deposition, he was compelled to testify. He could no longer say, I can't, on the advice of counsel, I can't answer that question. I'm asserting my Fifth Amendment right. He was deposed four times. And in connection with those four depositions, when he attempted to decline to answer a question about his interactions with Andrea Konstad, the plaintiff's lawyers, meaning Andrea Konstad's lawyers, were able to go to court, go to a judge, and force him to answer. So, in the end, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is saying, we're enforcing the deal. We're enforcing the deal that the then district attorney, Bruce Castor, made with Cosby. I'm not going to prosecute you. Now, you've got to run off to your civil depositions, and you're not going to be able to hide behind the shield of the Fifth Amendment. From the opinion, the opinion's, I don't know, 80 or so pages long. I've read it. I tried to just identify a paragraph or two that would sum up the logic of the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court on Bill Cosby. So let me hit you with page 71. In accordance with the advice of his attorneys, Cosby relied upon D.A. Castor's public announcement that he would not be prosecuted. His reliance was reasonable, and it resulted in the deprivation of a fundamental constitutional right when he was compelled to furnish self-incriminating testimony. I just saw a typo in the opinion. Cosby reasonably relied upon the Commonwealth's decision for approximately 10 years. When he announced his declination decision on behalf of the Commonwealth, District Attorney Castor knew that Cosby would be forced to testify based upon the Commonwealth's assurances. Knowing that he induced Cosby's reliance and that his decision not to prosecute was designed to do just that, D.A. Castor made no attempt in 2005 or in any of the 10 years that followed to remedy any misperception or to stop Cosby from openly and detrimentally relying on that decision. In light of these circumstances, the subsequent decision by successor D.A.s to prosecute Cosby violated Cosby's due process rights. No other conclusion comports with the principles of due process and fundamental fairness to which all aspects of our criminal justice system must adhere. That's it. And then the court said, having identified a due process violation here, we must ascertain the remedy to which Cosby is entitled. And they said the only remedy that makes sense is that we enforce the decision that Castor made not to prosecute Cosby as he articulated it to Cosby, did it in a release on which Cosby then relied. Okay, so so that's the part of the story that I guess everybody knows. Uh, Cosby was enticed to surrender his Fifth Amendment right, and then prosecutors did an about-face and used the deposition testimony against him. The part of the story that has always fascinated me is that If that's all that occurred, meaning Cosby gives the deposition based on his deposition testimony and other evidence and the credibility of Andrea Konstad, Bill Cosby had to pay more than three million dollars 
for that civil case to go away. Bruce Castor would say, see, the trap I set for him worked. Where he couldn't hide behind the Fifth Amendment, now he had to testify. Castor would say, I set the table for Constad to be fully compensated in her, in her, her civil case. The issue that has interested me is that deposition from more than a decade ago was temporarily sealed. And then a federal judge in 2015 unsealed it. And this is what what has always been the subject of my fascination. And yesterday when I heard about the decision, I tweeted a column that I wrote on the subject July of 2015. Because what caught my eye is the judge essentially saying to Bill Cosby, you're a hypocrite. You're a fraud. You're out there on your soapbox and you are telling, in particular, African-American families how to lead their lives. You're critical of African-American parenting. And you've done it in several different venues. And you know what? I'm going to let the public see who you really are. The actual language of the judge was, you've donned the mantle of public moralist. And then the judge cited three instances Uh, One was a speech relative to Temple University. He's a very proud alumnus, or he was. He was on the board of directors. One was an interview that he gave to Don Lemon. I wonder if Don realizes, like, the role that his interview played in all of this. And the other was the so-called pound cake speech. And the judge said, you're out there delivering these lectures. You've donned the mantle of public moralist, and therefore you've surrendered your right to privacy, essentially saying, hey, Bill Cosby, if you had shut your mouth and gone away, then I wouldn't be releasing this deposition testimony. And that always struck me as being illogical. Wait a minute. He's he's now going to be prosecuted because he delivered the pound cake speech. That makes no sense to me. And I wrote about it at the time back in 2015 in that column that I just referenced. Uh, Remember now, we didn't know he was going to be prosecuted when I wrote this, but here's the way that I began, that Bill Cosby will be forever known as a serial abuser of women wasn't determined by the findings of a jury. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this was six years before uh, the outcome of the case or six years before right now, a couple of years before the outcome of the case. It didn't come down to evidence such as forensic DNA or even a blue dress. Instead, his fate was sealed in the court of public opinion by an adjudication of his hypocrisy. Beyond the legalese, that was the true predicate on which Judge Eduardo C. Rebrano based his decision to unseal documents related to a civil suit filed against Cosby 10 years ago. And then I quote, uh, listed in a footnote of Rebrano's opinion were examples of Cosby's duality. The so-called pound cake speech that he delivered in 2004 at the 50th anniversary of Brown versus the Board of Education, a 2013 interview that he did with CNN's Don Lemon and impromptu remarks that he made to Temple grads during their 2014 commencement. And then I quoted from the pound cake speech. Parents don't know that today. I'm talking about these people who cry when their son is standing there in an orange suit. Where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18, 
And how come you don't know he had a pistol? These are not, these, these are not political criminals. These are people going around stealing Coca-Cola. People getting shot in the back of the head over a piece of pound cake. And then we all run out and we're outraged. Oh, the cops shouldn't have shot him. The hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? So Judge Rebrano, by the way, there's no reference. There's no reference to what I'm sharing with you, POTUS listeners. In yesterday's Supreme Court opinion, I'm, I'm, as Paul Harvey would say, I'm giving you the rest of the story. That Rebrano didn't take kindly to Cosby telling others how to lead their lives while his own was so predatory is clear from his order, I wrote. The ruling unsealed documents that included deposition expert excerpts that the judge noted were from the traditionally private discovery process, that the case was settled under a confidentiality agreement wherein the deposition was to be included as part of the privacy bargain didn't stop the judge from pretty much calling out Cosby as a fraud. And here's now the judge's language. The stark contrast between Bill Cosby, the public moralist, and Bill Cosby, the subject of serious allegations concerning improper and perhaps criminal conduct, is a matter as to which the AP, Associated Press, and by extension the public, has a significant interest. And then I concluded my column six years ago saying, arguably had Cosby stuck to comedy? His secret admission from a decade-old deposition would have remained hidden in the federal courthouse of Philadelphia. That was the rub that caught my eye in this case. Now, a couple of other things about this, because I I disagreed with that logic. Wait wait a minute. He lectures the public, and then you're going to show him and unseal something that was to remain confidential as part of the settlement where where he paid $3 million? I mean, you know, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who quarrel with confidentiality agreements, if there aren't confidentiality agreements, then a lot of a lot more trials, a lot more issues go to trial and a lot more people who are victimized have to get re-victimized in court. There's a reason the confidentiality agreements, not in all circumstances, but that they work. So Bruce Castor, whose name you hear bandied about a great deal. And yes, he is the same guy who represented Donald Trump and and gave a disastrous opening statement in the impeachment trial. Same guy. But yesterday, I'm sure he was like walking on clouds. Because because you have to understand this. Before the first Cosby trial began, Castor testified in a pretrial hearing and said, I gave him my commitment on behalf of the Commonwealth that he wouldn't be prosecuted. And that was totally dismissed and discounted. Well, anyway, back in 2015, when this deposition was unsealed, Bruce Castor was my guest right here on POTUS. Hey, Bruce, thank you so much for being here. What do you make of the latest revelations concerning Bill Cosby's deposition transcript? Uh, well, it seemed like it should have been a little better lawyering about keeping them sealed, but uh, this was the whole idea of... Um, me making a public statement that he wouldn't be prosecuted, eliminating the Fifth Amendment privilege so that he could be questioned under oath. So this is what I wanted to have happen uh, as far as uh, him having to answer questions uh, where he was under oath and they would be incriminating. Um, The fact that they've come out now certainly 
um, makes it more likely that uh, that the other people who've complained were also victimized. So you get it. Castor is saying, yeah, this is essentially what I thought would happen. I told him I wasn't going to prosecute him. He couldn't assert a Fifth Amendment right. Now he gives a deposition and he has nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Castor, again, this is Bruce Castor on this POTUS program, 2015, also said this. Uh, and the Fifth Amendment, of course, protects him from re- being required to answer questions while a criminal proceeding is a possibility. So I high profile removed that possibility that removed the, uh, the ability to claim the Fifth Amendment and forced him into a deposition where he was under oath and had to testify truthfully. He foolishly believed that that would remain uh, confidential, and he's now paying the price for that foolishness. Right. Is there any? There you go. I mean, there there it is in a nutshell. And that is Castor explaining what his logic was at the time. Okay. Now, fast forward to 2017. Bill Cosby is about to go on trial. Trial number one was represented by a very skilled lawyer, local lawyer, named Brian McMonagall, who did not represent him in the second trial. That was Tom Mesro, who once represented Michael Jackson. That was the case that resulted in a guilty finding. So this is on the eve of the first trial. Date is May 15, 2017. Bill Cosby is my guest right here on POTUS. Obviously, there are limits to what he's willing to discuss in terms of the underlying facts. But one of the subjects that I asked him about was the whole way in which his deposition testimony had come to light and then been used against him in the then current prosecution. The federal judge said, I'm paraphrasing, if Bill Cosby is going to be out there on his soapbox speaking about moral virtue, then it's fair for this deposition to be used against him. From a legal standpoint, I thought that was a wrong decision, and I I said so at the time. Do you want to comment on that underlying decision, which played a pretty significant role in the position in which you find yourself? I have an emotion about what the judge did, and I'm still very much confused about how that came about. In other words, you, you thought you had a deal, that case was over, and the facts of it were done. No. <laughs> it's, it's the way it was put out and the way many people saw it, and you just said it, and I think uh, I think the safest way to put it is, uh, I agree with you. Look, uh, back in real time now, I I can tell you that I've been subject to consistent and significant criticism for even hosting Bill Cosby on the program before he went to trial. Why would I not give him a platform and question him as much as I could about aspects of the case? That's what I do. I've never I I have no relationship with Cosby. Didn't before. Don't now. It's always been the legal aspects of this. And while there was there were a lot of so-called experts yesterday who were just like flummoxed 
by this. There were also some people who have paid some attention or are paying attention now, and, and they totally got it. Joey Jackson on CNN yesterday was was excellent in breaking it down and saying, look, you know, this is going to be unsettling for many, many people. But on the legal aspects here, uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court got it right. I have to say that I circle back to my reaction ahead of the Twitter mob yesterday, which is a lot of people still think that you are somehow supporting Bill Cosby or that you don't see how he has done wrong and therefore this shouldn't matter. And that was a theme yesterday as the day went on and you were tweeting and then you were on with Cuomo last night and people felt that you just didn't see the, you know, that this this was such an incorrect They are wrong. And you and I had an exchange yesterday where I said to you, ask me if he did it. And I answered your question. Yeah, you got really snarly, too. Yeah, because because I, I sensed that maybe even you were not understanding what I was saying. No, I was just telling you what I, I was going ahead of what I knew was going to come on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I, because, Michael, I know for that. years, ever since this deposition was unsealed and released, and then, and then right, but, you have said all along but that it's not TC, fair, and so people think that is supportive right, of Cosby. But think about it. I'm the guy who has invested 10 years in following the case. I'm the guy who invests the time to read the 80 or so page opinion from the Supreme well, you're Court. you're a lawyer, too. I'm a lawyer. I'm the guy right. who interviewed Castor. I'm the guy who interviewed Cosby. And, and what? I'm supposed to surrender my knowledge and logic to people who are given 240 characters and have done, is that how many Twitter is these days? It Maybe matter. it's more. And have done none of the above? No, I'm not, I'm not going to be cowered by... Uh, their lack of knowledge of the case. It, look, don't don't take it from me. Take it from a constitutional scholar named Erwin Shemerinsky, who writes for the he's the uh, dean at UC Berkeley, a brilliant guy. And he writes for the L.A. Times today. And of course, we flag this for Smirconish dot com. He says the crucial question in the Cosby case is whether he had been promised that he would not be prosecuted before answering questions at his civil depositions. There need not be a formal immunity agreement or a promise in writing. If a prosecutor causes a person to reasonably believe that there is no chance of a criminal prosecution, any statements that are subsequently obtained must be excluded from being used as evidence. This is essential to protecting the fundamental right of not having to incriminate oneself. It would also be unfair to use statements gained in reliance on a promise not to prosecute. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court found that the evidence was clear that District Attorney Castor assured Cosby he would not be criminally prosecuted. As the court noted, that is why Cosby did not invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination when his depositions were taken. The court explained, quote, Cosby did not invoke the Fifth Amendment before he incriminated himself because he was operating under the reasonable belief that D.A. Castor's decision not to prosecute him meant that the potential exposure to criminal punishment no longer existed. Shemarinsky also makes clear that not a word in the court's decision exonerates Cosby of his crimes. Nobody said that he was innocent, including me. The court did not question his guilt in any way, but the Constitution must be followed even when it means that guilty people go free. And then finally, Shemarinsky says this, there is a cost to having a Constitution that protects the guilty as well as the innocent. 
but it is the only way that all of our rights can be secured from abuses by the government. So I could go on for all three hours, but that that's what you need to know about the Cosby case. Don't lose sight of the fact that if there hadn't been a decision about him, about someone wanting to reprimand him, reprimand him for being a public moralist, uh, then the deposition would never have even come out. The case, the civil case would have been settled and that would have been the end of it. So a couple of mistakes I think were made here. One mistake was that the court didn't pay deference to Castor's agreement with Cosby. That's what the Supreme Court found. But but along the way, none of that would have mattered unless a different court, federal court, had unsealed the deposition transcript as a way to punish Cosby for giving the pound cake speech. And that makes no sense. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.